Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. I saw you uh, earlier today talk about uh, it doesn't look like Joe Barry is going anywhere based on how this defense has played as of late. And with five games coming up against, you know, average to, to uh, below average teams, mostly below average teams, we'll call the Vikings average for the time being because they are 500 technically. But with that being said, uh, unless something goes haywire here, uh, Joe Barry is going to be back in Green Bay's defensive coordinator again next year, even though most fans don't want him. Yeah, some of that, I think, is confirming a prior. Some of it is based in merits. I mean, it's not the most aesthetically pleasing defense. They still give up a billion yards on the ground. Yep. They still give up things a little too easily at times. Like, that stuff is true. It was a little funny watching last night. Everybody freak out as Travis Kelsey is, like, wide open in the middle of the field. Like, how does he let that happen? It's like, well, Travis Kelsey does that against everybody. He's arguably the greatest tight end ever. You know, sometimes... <laughs> Joe Barry, I think, gets complained or gets blamed for just about everything that goes wrong uh, in Green Bay and, and maybe even the world's events as well. And how <laughs> the Packers fans make those blames. So, I, I mean, I'm not advocating for him because I, I don't personally like the style of defense that they play. It's why I'm not a big fan of like when people say fire him and replace him with Brandon Staley. Well, why? You just want to play the same defense? That doesn't make much sense to me. But They've gone, I think Aaron Nagler tweeted today, they have under 24 points allowed in eight straight games, which is their longest streak since 2010. I mean, that is, that's good. Whether, you know, whatever way you want to put it or not. And I, I said today later too, that I think if the prior or the general consensus was that Joe Barry was a good defensive coordinator, then the conversation surrounding what they've done with the turmoil and the secondary and the guys in and out of the lineup and stuff like that, I think it would be talked about a lot differently instead of, well, look at this number and look at these things. That's still not going well. But I don't think people realize how difficult it is in the National Football League to lose your best corner for several games like they have with Jair Alexander, put inexperience out there like they have, uh, and still be able to not only do your job, but put your team in a position to win without it becoming an eyesore uh, at that next cornerback after Jair Alexander and Valentine and Valentine, uh, and plus you trade Rajul Douglas. Let's not forget about that either. People were losing their minds over that earlier. Uh, and this secondary with uh, all of these different dudes uh, have really stepped up to the plate and played a, a lot better than the guys that were playing earlier in the year. Yeah, I mean, this is not meant to sound the way that it might, but like the reality is the reality. Corey Valentine was on the practice squad. Anybody could have picked him up and signed him to the yep. active roster, and they didn't. Carrington Valentine was a seventh-round pick, and he's played really well. But he was still a seventh-round pick. I mean, anybody could have picked him for the first 200-some-odd picks and didn't. The way that they've been able to, like you said, Jair Alexander's an all-pro player. That is not an easy thing to just replace and plug and go. You know, it's not like Madden where you're replacing a 94 with a 72 right. or something like that. That's not the way these things work. So Green Bay, I think, and the whole secondary, you mentioned Douglas being traded. Uh, Darnell Savage has missed most of the season. Rudy Ford's been in and out of the lineup. I mean, Dave, I don't think the only starter, preferred starter in the defensive backfield that's played in every game is Keyshawn Nixon. And Nixon was a special teamer when they signed him. Like, his thing wasn't to come here and play defensive back. This wasn't some high-profile acquisition that they made. It was a, well, you know, we want you to come here because you know Basaccia, you can play special teams, and then they happen to fall into the fact that he's a really good kickoff returner. But he wasn't supposed to be a defensive back. That was a surprise to them and everyone else. And the cool thing about Nixon is he gets that interception 
Uh, and that I enjoyed him talking about their mannerisms film. I didn't know that was even a thing, to be honest with you. A mannerisms film that they watched. Uh, and he saw Mahomes do the thing that he saw on film, and they ran the, the 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 play that he expected with the routes that he expected and got the pick. And then you see LaFleur afterwards in the locker room talking about, you know, that was great, but the fact that he got swung on uh, and didn't swing back at the running back, uh, Pacheco for uh, Kansas City was the most impressive thing. And in the National Football League or most walks of life, if somebody swings at you, the initial reaction is going to be to swing back. Now, Ingabari came, I believe it was Ingabari, came running over there and got him out of there before he had a chance to do anything. But that that's pretty impressive because that would have been a big deal had he swung back and they both got 15 yards and both got kicked out of the game. That really could have changed the outcome of the game. Yeah, I could have. And it was cool, too. And my first impression of Keyshawn Nixon was seeing him at training camp last year. And it's him, and they were doing joint practice with the Saints. It's him and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson before he got traded to Philadelphia, just going back and forth. And Gardner-Johnson has that reputation as kind of that pest, the instigator, whatever. Nixon doesn't back down from stuff like that. And they kind of had to separate those two guys on the sideline because they thought it was going to become a thing. So before saying that, it was funny. And also, like, not that surprising because, yeah, Nixon kind of has that you swing, I'm going to swing. Like, his first, like, if that's your first reaction, my first reaction, like, it's almost a subconscious reaction or whatever the comparison for that is. But he's been a big part of this team in this locker room. You can tell, like, the guys were really happy for him getting a game ball. That's his first interception at home. The crazy part was that was, so on the active cornerbacks on Green Bay's roster, that is the first interception of that group that's in here. That is Green Bay's cornerback. First interception since Rasul Douglas. And they traded him at the end of October, early November, whenever it was. So hopefully that starts a trend of guys starting to get their hand on the ball a little bit more. Uh, but it was that was a cool thing to see. It was a culmination of a film study and a guy having a chance to make a play. And again, everybody was mad at Goody that he got a third-round pick for Rajul Douglas. And it's a white flag. And what are they doing? They're quitting. They're really not going to give him any chance to win. And now by the time this regular season is done, not only is everybody going to have to owe Goody an apology, but it's going to look like a swami move if this secondary continues to play this well without Rajul Douglas. Having said that, let's talk about the Packers front seven. How did you feel like they played uh, yesterday? Obviously stopping the run was an issue, uh, but getting to Mahomes was something, but I think a lot of those were coverage sacks more than anything else. Yeah, and I think you got to heat him up a little bit. You know, Lucas Van Ness is starting to make some plays. You can see, like, that back was a long time coming yep. from some other stuff that he's done over the last couple of weeks. Rashawn Gary's a star. Okay, Clark, that's a tough off. The, the tackles stink in Kansas City. But the, the interior, that group with Joe Tooney and, and Creed Humphrey and those guys, it's really good. So asking for almost anything from the interior last night was going to be a tall order. So I thought the edge group played relatively well. Uh, you know, you move Mahomes off his spot a little bit. If there's one thing that can make him kryptonite it, it, or make him not look like Superman, I guess, is moving him around and having to make him, like, uncomfortable in the pocket. And I thought they did that relatively well, even if the sacks weren't like, oh, man, that guy just whipped the tackle and took him to the ground, even though I think Van Ness did that a little bit. But I think the front is starting to heat up a little bit. They have six sacks. In the last two games, they're going to face the Giants on Monday who are just dreadful in pass protection, so they should have a good opportunity to put some stuff together there. After that, they play Tampa Bay, Baker Mayfield, prone to getting hit a bunch. Uh, and then they'll play Carolina after that, and then Minnesota. They're, Minnesota's the best offensive line they'll face between now 
and the end of the season. But this defense as a whole, and this is true of almost any defense, when you can get pressure with four, it's a lot easier because you have seven on the back end. The most they could throw out in a pattern is five. So, I mean, that's, that's a lot to, to work in your favor. And, you know, the New York Giants won two Super Bowls by playing, it might be called vanilla, but it really is a simple sometimes, is be able to rush with four and cover with seven.